0: So I think anybody can make an amazing pizza with just a plain flour, water, and salt. And it's it's technique. It's not like, you know, it's good quality ingredients and good technique. So the love and passion that I have for it translates to that, meaning that the technical aspect of it, you know, the craftsmanship to it, the exchange with the guests, like it's a culmination of all of these things that creates this incredible demand and weight.
1: What's up, Zach Oates author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Given Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, a customer experience and marketing platform that gets you more reviews, more feedback, and more revenue. Want to learn more? Visit ovationup.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined by Lee Kendall, who is the founder of Seattle's Moto Pizza. Recently voted uh, top 100 pizzas in America by Yelp. He's got such an interesting concept. He's making 120 to 150 pizzas a night, uh, but it doesn't just start there. It actually started over 100 years ago, which we'll get into that in a second. Now, this guy is sold out weeks in advance uh, sometimes maybe up to last time I talked to you, it was a couple months. Um, so Lee, first of all, thanks for taking some time to join us and give an ovation. And, uh, first of all, h- how do you tell us a little bit about Moto Pizza? Like h- how do you do this? How did you start this? Where are you?
0: So, uh, I'm in Seattle. A couple of, uh, a couple of corrections for you. Um, my dear Zach, um, uh, it is now over 200 of pizzas a night. And we're sold out for three months in advance. Oh, my
1: gosh. I know. All right.
0: It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And uh, how this crazy event happened was my wife and I owned a little boutique hotel and a backpacker's hospital for 14 years. And um, COVID hit us and we were able to get, you know, government assistance and all that kind of stuff for the first year. Um, but looking forward into the next two, three years, it was like travel, you know, international travelers not coming back. So we, uh, begrudgingly sold our business off and, uh, to some bigger hospitality businesses and decided to pivot. Um, and, uh, here we are. I said, Hey, let's open up a restaurant in the middle of the pandemic to on an island where the bridge is out. And, uh, it
1: was brilliant. <laughs> okay. So tell us a little bit about your, your location. Cause it's not the quintessential restaurant location. And even though those who may have seen the clip of you or who are on the website can see an image of you and it looks like you're in a, you know, in, in a work in a, like a wood shop almost. Um, but this is, this is your kitchen.
0: This is my kitchen. Yeah. So this is a little house in a little neighborhood of Seattle called West Seattle. And um, I'm in what's called the Junction and it's a very residential area. Um, and, you know, but I, I like the demographics to it and I wanted something kind of unique. So when I found this um, little house, uh, I started talking, it took a little while to happen because it was a residential house. So we had to zone rezone it commercial and then I had to go through the city. And so I literally built this into a restaurant.
1: Wait, so when you got that house, was there, were there people living in it?
0: No, there were people living in it beforehand. So the owner has lived in this house her whole life. And this was her house when she was a child and she's, uh, she's 70, in her seventies now. And uh, um, she, there's two giant apartment buildings on each side of us, like six stories. And this is a little tiny one bedroom house. So it's literally called the up house because it's (laughs) tiny in between these two giant buildings. And for some reason I found it really attractive. It has, you know, a a cute little yard to it. So I put balloons on the top of it to kind of represent the the up house story. And uh, um, a guy walking by asked me what I was doing. And I said, well, I'm putting balloons on the roof. And he's like, well, why are you putting balloons on the roof? I'm like, it's a surprise for the neighborhood. And uh, uh, he's like, can I take a couple pictures? He goes, I have like a little blog. Well, little did I know this blog was actually a pretty good-sized blog. So when we opened, it was like uh, we didn't tell anybody. We didn't even tell our family. A couple of our friends knew, and they said, hey, we're going to come help you. And we're like, nah, we're, we're, it's going to be quiet. You know, we're, we're going to um, just do it, the two of us. Nobody That way we can kind of work out any kinks that there yeah, are. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, the door is open, and it's a four-hour wait with a line – going down the street
1: no way it was
0: so crazy and my friends god bless them they they actually showed up anyways to help because you know they're even though we said don't bother they showed up before we opened not knowing they just wanted to be with us so they really saved our butts in this on that one so (laughs) and it's been a whirlwind since
1: wow that is incredible so when when you took a step back and you're like, Hey, let's, let's do pizza. Had you been doing pizza in your, in your B and B?
0: Yeah. So, so we, yeah, so we had a big kit. So my, my little, what people would call B and B was not that little. We were doing 60,000 visitors a year. Oh, okay. So so it, this, is, it's a good this is a size, hotel, right? Yeah. Um, but yes, I did do my pizza in there. I have a little pizza oven that I built and, you know, so I was always experimenting playing with pizza. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, was really into like the craft of pizza. Yeah. And so I don't know. I just, uh, I just really got into it and it was something I'm very, I'm still very, I'm more passionate about it today than I ever was.
1: And so when did you sell your first pizza? Uh, uh,
0: February, February 2nd. So two, two, so February 2nd,
1: 22. So we're talking like... Or, excuse me,
0: 21. This is 22. So February 2nd. Okay. So one year ago,
1: I so sold a, my first pizza. A year ago, you sold your first pizza. And now you are three months booked out.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: That is wild. So what happens if like, you know, President Obama calls you up and is like, hey, Lee, I, I really want really want a pie. Like, I'll be like, to,
0: here's the website. You can <laughs> just wait for three months and you'll get, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course, I'll get the hookup.
1: Uh, and and all, all of this really starts with, you know, uh, a really special recipe, a, a really special ingredient. And this, this is why kind of the history of Moto is not just a year and a couple months, but this is a hundred years in the making. tell us about that.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to tell you the whole story to Betty, which is my, I named my sourdough Betty. So (laughs) in my journey of pizza, I discovered sourdough pizza and sourdough in, in baking. And I'm like, okay, some people are doing this in pizza and you know, it's, it's a big bread making thing. Um, so, uh, um, I have the book right here. It's, um, flour, uh, water, salt, yeast, um, super, super famous um, baking, bread baking book. And so I started studying that book and um, I was uh, blown away by how much knowledge and how scientific it is and how, uh, you know, it's, it's just so crafts oriented. So I started playing with sourdough and there is a baker it, that is well known and um, he's kind of shy, so he won't let me say his name, but um, mm-hmm. I, Literally hounded him. Like, I think I, I think it was like four weeks I was emailing his company. Like, I'd love your sourdough. Can you can you get me the sourdough? Will you ask the head baker if I can have his sourdough just going on?
1: Four weeks of trying to get this guy to, to give you sourdough. Out.
0: Yeah, so eventually he's like, come on over, have some sourdough bread. So a uh, sourdough starter. So I got the sourdough starter and I failed miserably at it. Um, and this was six years ago. And I was like, trying, you know, because it's really, it's super simple to work with. But at the same time, until you wrap your head around how it works, it's not. So yeah. um, I, I, I encourage anybody who's trying to just push through it. And then pretty soon you're like, oh, this is so easy. So anyways, I started playing with the sourdough and I became obsessed with it. So this hundred year sourdough is not a hundred year sourdough. I call her odd Betty because um, lat not last year, yeah, last year, I think, no, before I opened, I was looking up sourdough because I was so obsessed, and I was like, oh, sourdough is, there's a lot of origin of sourdough in San Francisco, so I found a 200-year-old sourdough in San Francisco, so I write them, and I'm like, hey, can I have some of your 200-year-old sourdough starter? They sent it to me, and I added it to Betty, and I'm like, no, this is really cool, so you can look this stuff up, so Another thing I learned was you can't really verify the age of sourdough, right? Uh So to me, it's kind of like, you know, this kind of nostalgic vanity kind of thing, right? It's novelty. (laughs) Uh So um, I'm like, this is really cool. And of course, you know, a lot of people know that sourdough dates back 200 years to San Francisco. But what's really cool is I'm like, let's look globally what's going on and I found a list and I think you can easily find this list the top 10 oldest sourdoughs in the world and so I'm going down the list and I think it was number nine and I find a sourdough starter that is 900 years old out of Wales and uh yeah I know hold on this is gets better so okay. I, I, I find a website on this number nine position of the oldest ones. And I write him like, hey, can I have some sourdough starter? And he's like, yeah, send $12.95 for shipping and handling. So he sends me the, this dry yeast that's 900 years old. And it comes from the family of knights called Clark and goes through Holland and then went through him, his great-great-great-grandmother down to him. And that's how he got it. So you think these stories are kind of outlandish, right? And I'm... Okay. What else is out there? And I come across a story and you, you can verify this. I come across a story, uh, amateur Baker named Seamus Buckley. I think I pronounced that correctly. Well, many people don't know him as an amateur Baker, but many people know him as the inventor of the Xbox. Oh. And yes. And so he is right here in outside of Seattle. Um, uh, Microsoft is outside of Seattle here. And, uh, um, he, because he's this like very famous scientist, hooked up with other scientists. And because he's an amateur baker, he got access to a archeological dig in Egypt. And no. they got a bread pot. No. Was dated 4,500 years old. No. And you can look this up, it's documented. He got a scraping of this yeast that was in the bread pot, brought it back to life, and baked a 4500 year old loaf of bread. No, no way. I have been obsessed with this 4500 year old yeast starter. And so everybody I know, cause I've lived here my whole life. Everybody I know with Microsoft has is, I have them that I know have them reaching out to find him to get me a piece of that 4500 year old sourdough starter. So anybody out there who might but know get or it. Apple connection hook me up because that's, <laughs> that's my holy grail to add to Betty.
1: Oh, my gosh. So Betty is just a composite of these super old uh, starters and hopefully soon to be thousands of years old. Yes, that that is amazing. Okay, anyway,
0: yeast flies every yeast is right in the air we breathe. So like, I've taken her to different local, like I've taken her to the ocean and I've just opened the jar and just let her breathe overnight and you know, ocean air for it to pick up ease from there. Like it's this crazy amalgamation of all the craziness that I do.
1: So so do you think that is what is so special? Is it, is it the scarcity uh, of the pizza? And is it the fact that it's just that good? I mean, like, wh- what do you think is the ingredients into that you'd put into your success?
0: I would say bar none, it is the love and passion that I put into it. And that Mm. love and passion translates directly to the, the attention that I give every single detail. Meaning like from the quality of the flour, you know, to Betty, you know, taking care of Betty, to the technique in which I use. So I think anybody can make an amazing pizza with just a plain flour, water, and salt. And it's it's technique. It's not like, you know, it's good quality ingredients and good technique. So the love and passion that I have for it translates to that, meaning that the technical aspect of it, you know, the craftsmanship to it, the exchange with the guests, like it's a culmination of all of these things that creates this incredible demand and wait for it. And not just that, it's like people have it and then they become obsessed. I call them, I call them Moto Um, Uh fan. Yeah, they, they. I, there, I went over so many regulars, like weekly basis to get pizza.
1: That is what, well, I cannot wait to go to Seattle oh, and yeah. try this yeah, out. yeah, I cannot
0: and wait plus, for you to go.
1: And Lee, once somebody meets you, they just fall in love with you. I mean, like you are just such a great guy. Uh, you're just walking by at the Pizza Expo and we had such a great conversation there, such a great connection. You, you are someone who I think exudes so much love and passion into the world and so I'm just so excited for, uh, for Moto, and, and glad that you're at the helm there. Now, speaking of all of this love and passion, what do you think is one of the most important aspects of guest experience nowadays?
0: I would say without a doubt, engagement, not the product. Meaning that, you know, when that customer or your guest, whatever business you're in, this, this goes all the way across the board. From the moment they find who you are, That's the beginning of the engagement. Mm -hmm. So whether so when they start looking at you, they start looking at your website, they start looking at your social media, they start because they find out about you and then they want to check you out a little bit. They want to verify. Right. Right. That's the beginning of engagement. So when they when their friend says, my God, you got to try out this pizza, they're like, all right, I'll check it out. So they start looking and they're like, "Okay." He's not exaggerating. There's a weight, you know? So all this little bits of engagement that begin at the initial point of contact is what I like to call it, is where it all starts. So I like it to be an experience. And when they see positively all the way across the board through your reviews, through the look of the pizza, through because this is all very visual, right? And emotional when they're doing this. So the look of the pizza, the words that are said in description of the engagement. So like reviews, for example you know, when they see these beautiful reviews of the positive things people are saying, it creates an energy of excitement. Like this is, can this be this good? Can this be, you know, what everybody is saying it is. So it creates this almost psychological excitement, right? So then they try to get to my pizza and they can't because it's not ready to open up orders yet. Right. So, um, that right there creates this almost like, oh my god, have yeah. yeah. it! Yeah, It's and like then,
1: the 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 Chick Fil A Sunday effect. Exactly,
0: you know, exactly. The fact
1: that they're closed Sunday means they sell more the yeah. other six days of the weeks because you you and, have that you have that scarcity.
0: Yeah, and you know it's not something that I do on purpose. I I am by if I could make you know ten thousand pizzas and feed every, I would, but you know it. We're a you know this place is tiny. We're a small team and. Um, you know, we start out just me and Nancy and, you know, we, we're all, I'm slowly bringing it up. But if you think about it, you know, this neighborhood is around 70,000 people. Seattle is 2 million, you know, we're a tiny little bleep. So when it's a really good product, there's a high demand for it. So we just can't meet that need. So it does create that scarcity. And, you know, I'm not going to work seven days a week just to try to attempt to meet that need. Cause even if we were seven days a week, we did a thousand pizzas a day. It's not going to meet that need. So we we're very casual about it and we just do the best, you know, it's more about the quality of product and, you know, um, so yeah. So going back to that engagement, so they get the pizza, they come here and they're like our best friend. We're so excited to have them. We're like, Oh man, we're so glad you're here. This is your first time. Wow. Can't believe that you waited this long for a pizza. Wow. And, and, and um Zach you know we appreciate you so much coming in for this pizza we hope that you like it as much as that we think that as we think you're gonna like it Zach hey you know what too I'm so curious what you think about that pizza I'd love for you to hit me up on Instagram or just send me an email or whatever and let me know what you think of that pizza and they're like okay (laughs) (laughs) no but then you know I actually have had people come back that the same day later on after they ate the pizza and they're like, I got to tell you, this whole thing was crazy. Like, and you'll see if you look on my Instagram stories, people are like, you know, I waited two freaking months for this pizza and it was so worth the wait. It was so fun. What an experience. Right. I so, mean, and that's, is- and that's the
1: hard thing Lee, right? The fact that you've built up, it's one thing to build up this demand. It's another thing to have, you know, you've built up this demand and, You've got five stars on Yelp. you got 4.8 stars on Google. People are not being disappointed. And usually that second time or after a long wait, you're super bummed. Like I I was just in um, Southern California and I, I wanted a lobster roll. Stopped by this place that had a really good lobster roll called Hook and Anchor. And I have a rule of not going to the same restaurant twice on vacation. The next day, I went back to Hook and Anchor to get another lobster roll because I'm like, that had to have been a fluke. And it it was even better the second day. And I think that when you have a product and a service that l- lives up to that kind of hype, you have got some magic brewing over there, Lee.
0: Yeah, I think so. And he, and, and that and, and it really is that guest experience from what I said, the point of contact to even after they leave, you know, like they'll often Put up a story and then um on social media and i'll and they'll tag me and i'll be like oh my god it was so nice meeting you you know thanks i can't wait for you to come back again so it's continuing that story and it you know it's a lot of work but it's worth it in the long run as you build especially as a new company or a new business what a new service you know that kind of effort into your customer is what it takes to land them forever. Because if you do that, they'll forgive you because you're not, nobody's perfect. We're going to screw it up somewhere down the road. But with that loyalty, they will forgive you. You have all kinds of room to be imperfect.
1: I love that. That, Adding that humanity, and maybe that kind of leads into the second question is, any tips for restaurants? How would you go around doing that? Because a lot of, you know, let's say that you've got, a twenty-location restaurant chain. How do you still have that sense of personality and, and connection and engagement when you're when you're getting to be that big?
0: That's a that's a great question, Zach. And I think you know a lot of entrepreneurs who are looking to grow ask themselves that question very seriously, without with with lack of an answer. And I think through my previous um, entrepreneurial experience with the hostels and hospitality and the hotel, what I what I've learned is that um, it's all about culture. I, we treat our guests and our customers and our employees the same, meaning that that engagement that we put into our customers, we treat our employees the same way. Like they are so important to us from the moment they walk in the door through work. And if, you know, we engage them just like we do our customers. Like, how are you doing today? Oh, what was your weekend like, you know, uh, yeah. what's going on with the dream that you have? Like, though, like just getting into them and that is truly contagious. You know, you're going to get employees that are of all different personalities. They're good. There's going to be employees that are great and bubbly, just like us, but you're going to have employees that are like having just a tough time. Or they're just people who are not bubbly or personality everything's internal right? And they don't have any personality, or or, so to speak. And you'd be surprised because they do, if you take the time to dig a little bit. So I think creating a culture to multiply uh, locations and to multiply yourself, you know, you inject a little bit of your DNA into that, um, they will follow through and they'll be enthusiastically do it because they see the result. When people see a positive result in their life, they're going to repeat that. Yeah. Right, so our staff sees that you know beautiful engagement from the customers, and you know the cust- We use the customers' names all the time, and the customers start to use. And I always introduce my customers to my staff who are up front. So it's like, oh, hey, Gail, have you have you met Andrew yet? This is Andrew. He's our new guy. You know, Andrew. Uh-huh. This is Gail, one of our regulars. Like she comes all the time. You know that kind of thing is really important so creating that culture you know uh, in corporate and growth of companies they use that term culture a little loosely but it takes effort it takes work and it you know it takes consistency and if you can be consistent in that duplicating is no problem and by the way i just signed the lease for my second location down
1: there. Oh, so, yeah. whoo, that's <laughs> awesome lee excited for you man well can't hopefully is, is that second lease gonna be in Utah?
0: <laughs> it's funny, I get that a lot. I'm like I got one, I got one, I just announced it uh on my social media. Hey, we're opening up our second location. I'm getting people like, oh, is it L A. and I'm like Los Angeles or Louisiana and then like, yeah, yeah <laughs> Co- Colorado yeah I'm getting some some good national uh, well let's
1: let's throw Utah in the mix there all right you got it brother uh, well Lee who deserves an ovation in the in the restaurant industry today who's someone that we should be following for uh for food
0: I I think I think following the small guy I think the small guy should get the ovation I think the small guy who's doing a food truck a pop up you know the dreamer who's trying to get it off the ground I think. That's who we need to follow because those guys, they're the innovators. You know, they're the ones who are coming and doing something new and different. They're breaking the mold. They're they're excited about, you know, whatever industry that they're in, you know, whether it's, you know, baked goods, you know, even if it's not food, anything, these these little startups that are one man show, you know, that could be the next game changer. So yeah. I say, you know, who whatever you're whatever you're into as an individual, like follow the small guy and
1: find, find the Lees. Find the Lees.
0: <laughs> Speaking of
1: which, how do we find you? Follow you, Lee.
0: Um, well, I, my main, my main jam is uh, Instagram. I'm, I just started a TikTok, but it's, it's, I think I only have like four posts and I'm still figuring it out. You know, it's, funny how the kids like can do this with their blindfolded but to me it's like <laughs> a whole science um so yeah my my instagram is eat dot moto pizza
1: eat Eat.Moto pizza awesome well lee for showing us you don't need a million bucks to build an incredible pizza or brand and for showing us how the magic of love and passion can truly raise the world today's ovation goes to you thank you so much for joining us on give an ovation man <laughs>
0: Thanks, Zach. Such a pleasure to know you, man. Like, I'm looking forward to building our friendship up.
1: Likewise. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.